Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchange's World News Roundup for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. Uh, there's a few anniversaries. On February 27th, 1844, a group of leading Dominicans called La Trinitaria uh, declared independence from Haiti. This began the 12-year Dominican War of Independence, after which the Dominican Republic was established as an independent nation. It is commemorated, therefore, as Independence Day in the Dominican Republic. Uh, on February 27th, 1933, the Reichstag building in Berlin was set on fire one month after Adolf Hitler had become chancellor. Hitler and the Nazis pinned the arson on a communist named Marinus van der Lubbe, uh, either alone or in collaboration with other communists. As far as I know, most historians nowadays believe that van der Lubbe set the fire alone and that the Nazis manufactured the collaborator scenario to justify their already planned crackdown on communists, which, of course, allowed them to tighten their grip on power. On February 28th, 202 BCE, former rebel leader Liu Bang is crowned Emperor Gaozu, ending the Chu Han War and marking the start of the Han Dynasty. The Han ruled China until 220 CE, except for a brief interlude during the years 9 to 23 CE. Uh, and on February 28, 1991, U.S. President George H.W. Bush declared that Iraqi forces had withdrawn from Kuwait and announced a ceasefire in the glorious Gulf War Part 1. Bush's announcement marked the end of that war, but was only the start of the U.S. obsession with Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein. Maybe not even the start. Uh, you could argue it, it was earlier than that. Uh, but certainly from that point on, Saddam was never far from our hearts and minds. Uh, on to the news. In Israel-Palestine, the man who was shot in a drive-by incident outside the West Bank city of Jericho on Monday, presumably by a Palestinian attacker, although as far as I know there's been no arrest in the case as yet, has reportedly died of his wounds. We did mention the shooting in yesterday's newsletter. Uh, he turns out to have been a U.S. national. Uh, the situation in the West Bank town of Huara appears to be calm in the wake of Sunday evening settler onslaught, but there continues to be reports uh, of settler violence in other parts uh, of the West Bank, while it rarely rises to the level seen on Sunday. Settler attacks against Palestinian communities in the occupied territory are a fairly routine occurrence and are largely tolerated by Israeli authorities. Uh, witness the fact that of the scant eight settlers detained over Sunday's attack on Hawara, all of them have now been released from custody, at least two of them admittedly into house arrest, but still uh, there is a certain sense of impunity here. Before we paint with too broad a brush, it is probably important to mention that Israeli donors have raised somewhere in the neighborhood of $300,000 for Hawara residents. Actually, that may be higher by now. Uh, that was uh, the figure as of my writing uh, today, earlier today. Uh, but the violence, both by settlers and by Israeli security forces, has unsurprisingly given a boost to the popularity of armed Palestinian groups. Their activities, and indeed their very existence, then becomes the justification for an Israeli government that wants the situation to escalate, because escalation is the path toward achieving the aims, uh, i.e. annexation and ethnic cleansing, of its most radical members. Uh, in Iran, U.S. Undersecretary of Defense for Policy Colin Call told, told the House Armed Services Committee on Tuesday that Iran would need approximately 12 days to enrich enough weapons-grade uranium to construct a nuclear weapon should Iranian leaders decide to go that route. For reference, Iran was a year away from that same endpoint back in 2018 when Donald Trump eviscerated the Iran nuclear deal under the claim that doing so was in the U.S. national interest. <laughs> 
It's unclear if Call was factoring into his estimate uh, the Atomic Energy Agency's recent discovery of trace amounts of 84% enriched uranium at Iran's Fordow enrichment plant. The IAEA confirmed that discovery for the first time in a report to member states on Tuesday. Uh, The Iranians are blaming unintended fluctuations, that's their term, unintended fluctuations, in the enrichment process for the fine, insisting that they have not intentionally enriched uranium to that level. The IAEA says it is holding discussions with Iranian officials about the issue, and Agency Director General Rafael Grossi may visit Iran soon to advance those discussions. Uh, With the JCPOA still deader than disco, Laura Rosen at her diplomatic newsletter reports that there is growing sentiment behind the idea of a much smaller agreement between the U.S in Iran that trades a measure of sanctions relief for greater levels of monitoring with respect to Iran's nuclear activity. However, uh, she reports there's not, there doesn't seem to be any appetite for such a deal on the Iranian side. I would say there hasn't been any apparent appetite for it on the U.S. side either. So uh, despite the calls, nobody really seems to be talking about that possibility. Uh, In Asia and Kazakhstan, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken uh, was in Kazakhstan on Tuesday for a meeting of the C5 plus one group, which is the U.S. plus Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, all your favorite Soviet republics, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan. Uh, Washington is keen to improve its stature in Central Asia, particularly relative to the traditional regional heavyweight Russia and the emerging power China. Blinken reportedly used the war in Ukraine to advance that agenda. Uh, warning that Russia could do the same thing to any of the five Central Asian states that it has done to Ukraine. Uh, What's interesting here is that Blinken also seems to have shifted his rhetoric a bit away from the Biden administration's usual defense of democracy against autocracy, and instead emphasizing, uh, I I will grant you somewhat hilariously given the historical context, uh, the U.S. respect for, quote, sovereignty, territorial integrity, and independence, end quote. Uh, Friend of the newsletter Stephen Wertheim has argued argued uh, in a piece he did back in uh, June for The Atlantic, for example, uh, about the Ukraine war, uh, that the Biden administration should make this shift, given the the tepid global response to the administration's democracy versus autocracy framework. Uh, he argued that speaking to other countries on, on in terms of sovereignty and integrity, territorial integrity, would be much more effective from a foreign policy standpoint. Uh, now, it's unclear whether this... Uh, change of rhetoric by Blinken reflects uh, a change in focus uh, globally uh, or just with respect to Central Asia. Uh, But even if it's the latter, it's a sensible move, I think, on the administration's part, given that democracy doesn't really have a lot of salience uh, for the governments in that region. In Afghanistan, Afghan authorities say their security forces have killed two senior Islamic State figures in recent weeks. One, an intelligence operative named Qari Fatah, Uh, was one of two IS members killed during a raid in Kabul over the weekend. Uh, The other, Ijaz Amin Ahengar, was among three IS members killed during a raid also in Kabul earlier this month. We covered both of those raids in the newsletter. Uh, The Afghan government seems to have gotten the upper hand in its conflict with IS over the past couple of months. It's killed a number of the group's members uh, in multiple security operations, so that would uh, potentially represent a a bit of a shift in that uh, conflict. 
In India, according to the advocacy group Access Now, the Indian government led the world in internet shutdowns in 2022 for the fifth straight year. Way to go, everybody. Uh, Indeed, New Delhi seems to have lapped the field, accounting for 84 of the 187 total internet shutdowns recorded worldwide last year. Uh, Of those, 49 of them were imposed in the restive Kashmir region. Uh, Indian authorities justified these shutdowns on security grounds, though they are accused of throttling or blocking internet access to limit political opposition. Uh, goodness, what, what? how could you think that? Uh, anyway, uh, Ukraine experienced the second highest number of shutdowns at a mere 22, most or all of them apparently attributable to the war. Uh, in Africa and Sudan, Sudanese security forces killed one anti-junta protester in the Sharg and uh, Nile district near Khartoum on Tuesday. Uh, authorities are claiming that the police officer involved acted of his own accord and has been arrested. This makes 125 protesters killed since the Sudanese military's October 2021 coup. Uh, protests against the junta have been taking place at least weekly, if not more frequently. But this is the first related fatality in some time, uh, as far as I'm aware. In Mali, according to AFP, Mali's ruling junta is preparing to rewrite that country's constitution ahead of planned February 2024 elections in ways that would strengthen the Malian presidency and make a number of local languages official while reducing French to a working tongue rather than the official language of government. Uh, Malian governments would be legally accountable to the president rather than parliament under this new framework, uh, and presidents would be empowered to propose legislation and to dissolve parliament. Uh, There is a nebulous plan to put the new constitution to a national referendum prior to the election, possibly as soon as next month, although that seems a bit ambitious. Uh, in Nigeria, Reuters is reporting, based on provisional vote counts, that all progressives Congress candidate Bola Tinubu has an unassailable lead. Uh, that was their term, unassailable, over his two other presidential contenders, uh, Atiku Abubakar of the People's Democratic Party uh, and Peter Obi of the Labor Party. Uh, that they have uh, Reuters has Tinubu at 35 percent of the vote uh, against Abubakar's 30 percent and Obi's 26 percent. Uh, the PDP and Labor have already both said they reject the results. They're calling for a new election amid widespread, uh, as we've talked about in the newsletter, widespread delays in both voting and counting, as well as several incidents of ballot theft, among other irregularities. Um, so this is potentially a, a tinderbox of a situation. It uh, remains to be seen how or whether it will work out. In Ethiopia, the Washington Post reports on new evidence of a massacre that was perpetrated by Eritrean soldiers during the waning days of the war in Ethiopia's Tigray region. Uh, just read a couple paragraphs here. And just, just days before a deal to end the war in Ethiopia's Tigray region, uh, soldiers from neighboring Eritrea last fall massacred more than 300 villagers over the course of a week, according to witnesses and victims' relatives. Eritrean forces allied with Ethiopian government troops had been angered by a recent battlefield defeat and took their revenge in at least 10 villages east of the town of Adwa during the week of the November 2nd peace deal, witnesses said, providing accounts horrifying even by the standards of a conflict defined by mass killings of civilians. The massacres, which had not been previously reported outside the Tigray region, were described in interviews with 22 relatives of the dead, including 15 who witnessed the killings or their immediate aftermath. They spoke on the condition of anonymity for fear of reprisals. 
In Somalia, there is a new report of fighting in the Somaliland region as at least one person was killed and a number of people wounded on Tuesday when the main hospital in the embattled town of Las Anod was shelled by mortars. Somaliland security forces and local militias have been battling in the vicinity of Las Anod for weeks now, leaving dozens dead and thousands displaced. Local leaders are trying to effectively secede from Somaliland, which declared independence in 1991, uh, but hasn't been recognized as such, uh, and bring the region back under the control of the federal government of Somalia. Uh, In Europe, in Russia, several Ukrainian drones apparently penetrated Russian airspace late Monday and into Tuesday, with one coming within about 100 kilometers of Moscow. They don't appear to have caused any material harm either to people or to property, but needless to say, there seem to be some holes in Russia's air defense network. A drone may have been responsible for the temporary closure of St. Petersburg's Pulkova airport, although the Russian military claims it was conducting drills in the vicinity that forced the suspension of civilian flights. And along with the drone, several Russian TV stations were reportedly hacked to broadcast a missile warning. All nuisance-type behaviors, uh, nothing serious, but still uh, probably, I would assume, of concern to the Russian government. Uh, in Belarus, uh, officials there are claiming that stories of Belarusian partisans blowing up a Russian surveillance plane uh, at Machulishchi Air Base on Sunday are hashtag fake news. Uh, as far as I know, there's been no confirmation from anywhere that the alleged bombing actually did take place. Uh, the bombing, the reports that we discussed in, in Sunday's newsletter, and I would think that the burden of proof would have to rest here with the alleged bombers. Uh, So, you know, it's kind of up to them to demonstrate that they actually did what they say they did. Uh, In Ukraine, there doesn't seem to be very much new to report on the ground as Russian forces are continuing to pressure Bakhmut, uh, as they have been for the past several weeks. And the city is continuing to hold out, though for how much longer is anybody's guess. Russian forces are also reportedly on the offensive near the town of Kupiansk in northern Ukraine's Kharkiv Oblast. Uh, The immediate aim there may be to retake the bit of Luhansk Oblast uh, that the Ukrainians recaptured last September. Elsewhere, International Criminal Court lead prosecutor Karim Khan is in Ukraine to to investigate Russian attacks on Ukrainian infrastructure as possible war crimes. It's hard to imagine a scenario under which this case would ever be prosecuted, uh, so I'm not sure the outcome of the investigation matters in any material sense. And finally, uh, in the Americas and the United States, uh, writing at Rolling Stone, Nick Terse of The Intercept and Tom Dispatch, he's uh, something of a regular uh, for me, uh, wherever he's writing these days, uh, discusses the propensity for U.S.-trained African military officers to overthrow their civilian governments and the U.S. government's propensity to deflect questions about that little fact. Uh, I'll read you a couple of paragraphs here. For decades, U.S.-trained officers from Haiti's Philippe Biambi uh, and Romeo Vasquez of Honduras Honduras to Egypt's Abdel Fattah Sisi uh, and Mohammed Ziaul Haq of Pakistan have overthrown U.S. allied governments all over the world. Rarely, however, have so many coups been so concentrated in a region over such a short period of time. Last fall, after returning from a trip alongside other top State Department and Pentagon officials to the Sahelian states of Burkina Faso, Mali, Mauritania, and Niger, uh, Ambassador Victoria Nuland, love this lady, uh, was upbeat. Quote, we went to the region in force. We were looking in particular at how the U.S. strategy towards the Sahel is working. 
This is a strategy that we put in place about a year ago to try to bring more coherence to our efforts to support increased security, end quote, she said during an October conference call with reporters. After Rolling Stone pointed out that U.S. trained military officers had conducted seven coups in these same countries, Burkina Faso three times, Mali three times, and Mauritania one time since 2008, Newland was less sanguine. Quote, Nick, that was a pretty loaded comment that you made, end quote, she replied. Quote, some folks involved in these coups have received some U.S. training, but far from all of them, end quote. Uh, not only, this is me again, not only has it been all of them, uh, this may actually be an undercount. There may be an eighth coup on this ledger, because the second coup that Burkina Faso uh, went through last year was led by Ibrahim Traore, uh, who was a captain at the time in the Burkina Bay military. Nobody has ever been able to figure out, apparently, whether he ever attended any U.S. training programs. Uh, If the Pentagon knows, and you would think they would have to know on some level or be able to figure it out, they are refusing to say. So there may actually be eight coups here uh, that have been uh, led by U.S. trained military officers in the Sahel uh, since since 2008. Uh, Really a fantastic record. Uh, Later in the piece, Terse does get into all the other wonderful things U.S. trained officers are doing these days. Uh, innovations in the field of corruption, human rights abuses, etc. So it's not just coups that are the problem. Uh, On that note, uh, thank you all for reading and or listening to the newsletter, and thanks to those of you who are subscribed to foreign exchanges, especially those of you who are paid subscribers and make it possible for me to keep doing this work. Uh, If you haven't made that jump yet, please consider it. Uh, It is uh, only through your support Uh, through the support of paid subscribers that uh, this newsletter can survive and thrive. Uh, Hopefully, you know, we can uh, continue to grow, continue to add more writers, but that only works if if you chip in your... five dollars a month really or fifty dollars for a year which is less than five dollars a month anyway i'm sorry it's uh, i think it's a good deal uh anyway uh until next time as always take care and i'll talk to you soon bye-bye